the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's Word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation. A sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website, www.thebiblelive.com, or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888. That's P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live lead. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live, your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. Good evening, everyone. Uh, Jacob and I are here. We're already in the studio talking about this remarkable book we have to discuss tonight. Uh, the Romans. And, uh, the Romans, yeah, the book of the Romans. This uh, first epistle that we have in the New Testament here, uh, written by this remarkable individual that we know as Paul, Paul the Apostle. And we were just talking it through that. I'm. I'm just so so excited about tonight's program. I want to get into it and 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 uh, discuss Paul. And, and Jacob has some insights about his experience. This this world changer. I mean this this man uh, uh, probably even more powerfully, more influential in a sense than John the Baptist, who made Jesus the success that he was. Let me see something here. Uh, see, see, I put my notes right there. David Solomon. I put that up for a reference. All right, good. Oh yeah, in Romans? No, I put oh, the Rome. No. I put the note there. Oh, oh, I see, I see, I see, I see. No, I, I, I get it. Uh, but this, this, this astounding individual. I can't wait for you to hear some of the things that Jacob shares about uh, what we know about uh, what we know about Paul. This, this fellow Saul, I guess his uh, Hebrew name. And Paul was the Roman kind of version of that, or he had or Roman Latin? he had Roman citizenship, yeah, right. He was without a doubt. But uh, and we'll get to that. We we finished up the books of First and Second Chronicles last week. Uh, this remarkable individual named Ezra, who was another, uh, who was a fellow who just 
incredibly dedicated and devoted to the scriptures, who taught the scriptures to the people of Israel, those returning from the exile, uh, the 70-year exile in Babylon uh, under Nebuchadnezzar after the the destruction of the temple in 586 B.C. And then we have Ezra coming back with this these returning exiles, teaching them, guiding them, uh, writing a, a, a compilation, a special uh, compilation of the history of Israel to remind them who they were as a people and whose they were, as, as uh, whose God um, they were to, the God that they were to serve. And uh, so Ezra just remarkable. We so then we returned to the book of Romans. We read the entire book, uh, just a short book, sixteen chapters really, uh, but so very very pivotal and and powerful. Uh, that written by the apostle Paul to to uh, believers in Rome, and he had never been there. Rome. Uh, Paul had traveled to many of the cities where he uh, wrote letters to them, to Ephesus, to Corinth, to uh, Philippi, and so on. So he had been there in person preaching to them, and his letters, to some degree, didn't have to start from zero. They, he, he could build on what he remembered telling them when he was there in their in their midst, in their presence. And he could just kind of take for granted some of those conversations, some of those uh, opportunities to share and to, to teach them. But the book of Romans is, uh, uh, he had never been there. So he gives the perhaps the most complete uh, presentation of the implications of uh, the message of Jesus of Nazareth, the implications of the idea that that the Messiah has now come, this Redeemer, this Savior, this Hero, this Deliverer that is uh, spoken of throughout the Hebrew Scriptures, that kind of looking forward to that this King, this great righteous King, the righteous branch, so many titles, he begins to, uh, he presents that message in the most complete form, we, I think, we find in, in the epistles. Galatians has sometimes been called Romans light. <laughs> but uh, but Romans is such a powerful, powerful book. I, I want us to spend time on that tonight as well. And then we went back and read the book. Uh, we began the book of Ezra itself. Uh, it, it's it's a little bit more, not, not the compilation of the scriptures, the history, but it's a little more personal, right? That's the idea of Ezra. It's about things that happened to him and how things went when he was there in the city of Jerusalem uh, teaching and, and preaching and, and uh, the people instructing them and so on. So we'll go back to the book of Ezra and pick up there as well. Both of these guys were amazing, amazing individuals, no doubt about it. If you'd like to be a part of this program, it's 210-340-9585, 210-340-9585. Uh, that's the call-in line for the Bible Live broadcast this evening. Uh, we're principally going to be talking about, I, I think, the the um, epistle, this letter that Paul wrote to the Romans in the first century. Now, you were telling me that the, the were all of the epistles circulating Written and circulating before the, the Gospels? As I am familiar with the dates that we guess uh-huh. for the epistles, the letters of Paul and Peter, um, they are all predating all four Gospels. The four Gospels. Yeah. Uh, I, so when he refers in, in like Romans and a few other places uh-huh. about scriptures, he cannot be referring no. 
to the Gospels. He must be referring to dun, da, da, dun, da, dun, da, to the Hebrew Scriptures, yeah. To the Torah, probably. Sure, exactly. Because even among the Jews, the Torah is the Scriptures. The rest is other stuff. Right. Well, the... Well, the thing we see in, in the ministry of Jesus himself uh-huh. and, of, of course, uh, the, his followers is that they were, they were continually, continually basing almost everything they saw and heard, what they experienced with Jesus of Nazareth in, the, in, in that point of history. But they're all the time relating it through the grid of the Hebrew Scriptures through the grid through the grid of the Torah through the grid of uh, the books of history and the prophet the prophecies and so on. So it was always uh, very much a scripture based uh, faith. Now, I I, hmm, I wonder when the Gospels and when the the Gospels and when the Epistles. Uh, began to be considered scripture. Yeah, I know Peter refers to the scriptures one time, and he actually includes the writings of Paul in his in his description. He, um, but when did they start being considered added to? And I guess, uh, I guess even to this point, uh, the New Testament from well, that you wouldn't have a there wouldn't be a totally Jewish. Um, thought on that, right? Because there, there are some. Well, I know this. In the year 400 A.D. Okay. 400 A.D. The so-called New Testament was in 500 languages. That's a lot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But by the year 500, the year 500, a hundred years later. The New Testament was only in one language that was available. Latin, I guess. Right. Uh So something Mm -hmm. happened dramatic in that 100 years. Yeah. Uh, I assume that was Constantinople. Well, it uh, became the 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 Catholic Church. And and when I, and I, you know, the way I always look, it's a novel. It's about... uh, 200, 300 pages, written about Paul. It's a, uh-huh. it's a novel. Uh-huh. And I read it some years ago. And in there, the, I think it's written by a woman. And uh, she does uh, she does a really good job. And uh, there's one thing I caught that I probably would have been added in, but then everybody wants to edit everybody else's stuff. Yeah, know? right, exactly. Was this the, the novel on which they based the movie that just came out, The no, Apostle? No, as a matter of fact, the book was much better. The novel <laughs> okay. was much better. But yeah. anyway. Books usually are better than movies, but, then but I get that. But, but I always look at it this way. Here's Paul, Saul, uh-huh. and he's got this dilemma on his hands. And he's trying to tell the rest of the world, and he has to undertake this obligation, and he's trying to tell the rest of the world about the Jewish Messiah, and he's a Jew. And he's trying to, and he has to figure out a way, because I can see the rest of the world saying, oh, wait a minute, Paul, we don't have, uh, you know, let's say Romans, don't, we don't have the Jewish law, we don't even know what it is. Torah, yeah, we don't know what messianic prophecies, yeah, we don't know all that of that. Stuff. So Paul has a dilemma on his hands to explain it. So this is my take, but uh, in sympathy with Paul, I'm thinking he's trying to explain, look, guys, if you believe in the Messiah that I'm preaching, 
and that is a spiritual idea, then in your sense of just believing in a spiritual idea, you have fulfilled the laws of God. And so that's what he's trying to tell the people who don't have the Torah, who's not familiar with God's laws. That's how I read Mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. So he's got quite a dilemma on his hands. Yeah. And also, let's talk practical here. It was not a good time period for Jews. Right. So, uh, and Paul's a Jew. He does have Roman citizenship. So he's trying to convince everybody, no, guys, look, we're all on the same page here. You shouldn't be so bad to my folks, my people. So how does he get it? He starts telling them, well, you guys are included too. But I can see the response is, well, we don't know what the, these laws are. He says, don't worry about the laws. I'm going to tell you, just believe, okay, uh-huh. guys? And that is fulfilling laws. In fact, there's a verse that says, and I think it's in Romans, and it says, if you believe in what I'm telling you, to summarize, then you have fulfilled the law of God. Right. So yes. he's saying that. So And he, he can't sit down and send them to a, a Jewish seminary. It's called a yeshiva. He can't uh-huh. teach them if that takes a long time. But he can tell them what you think and what you believe will influence your conduct. And if it influences your conduct, then you're doing the right thing. And I find it fascinating. The first one, the first chapter of Romans, is actually a brilliant, brilliant passage. One, one verse. Right. Which one? One sixteen? No, no. Uh, actually, that's I, the most well-known. One of the well, most well-known verses, I think, in the Christian world is, uh, "For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus All Christ, right. for it is the power of God to salvation to the Jew first, and also to the Gentile or to the Greek." It says Greek. Uh huh. Yeah. So. And everybody likes to line themselves up with the Greek, and that always astounds me. Now, the first time I read this, I thought, why do people want to be the Greek? They got like ten gods. How come they don't identify with the Jew? <laughs> they got one god. Yeah. And I've often wondered that, except there seems to be some reluctance to say, yeah, you know, I identify with the Jewish god. I'd rather be a Roman that has ten gods. Wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, uh, but anyway, but that's not the verse I was referring to. Okay, it's not. Okay. The verse I was referring to is 120. Be right there. Okay, and we'll be right there waiting. Okay, go for it. Uh, now, I'm reading from the NASB. Okay. I've looked at a lot of different English translations, and each translation has its own purpose mm-hmm. and its theme. And uh, there's a great four-hour seminar on the Internet, believe it or not, from all the editors of all the Bibles. And they all explain what they publish for, and they publish for different reasons and different achievements. But NASB tries to publish for the most accuracy. So uh, that's why I tend to like it a lot. So anyway, so 120, the version I'm reading from says, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes... His eternal power, divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood through what he has made, so they are without excuse. Now, why do I like that verse, you might ask? Why do you like that verse? You know, I thought you might ask. Uh-huh. It's because I... I'm, I might I, ask. <laughs> yes, I understand that to be coming directly from a passage that's left alone a lot in the Christian churches. And But look how clever the words are. Invisible are clearly seen. Well, of course, if it's invisible, it's clear. You see right through it. Isn't that clever? (laughs) Sure, of course. But I think he's referring to... Psalm 19, maybe? No, I think he's referring to Deuteronomy, chapter 4, 16 through 19. Ooh, this is fun. And Mm -hmm. I have never 
I ha- and I'm, I must no. say, I have never been, and I visit a lot of Christian churches, sure. and I've never heard that passage because it seems like a very problematic passage. Because you guys haven't taught us well enough. But well, okay, I don't know about go. that. I mean, you don't need us to teach you. Oh, you yes, you we do. Oh, yes, we do. Deuteronomy chapter 16. No, chapter 4. Oh, four. Chapter four, sixteen through eighteen. Four, verse sixteen. Yeah. Okay. And and I think that's what he's saying because he's saying, uh, his invisible attributes are clearly seen from what he has made. In other words, the physical. Uh huh. Now, uh, when you read this, this is a passage that I, I I must admit I I don't find really many sermons about this, uh-huh. uh, and those that I do find in. Christianity over the last few hundred years is generally something about saying, oh, well, that was written to the pagans at the time. It's not written to us. And I'm thinking, well, how's it not written to you if it's right here in Romans? Would you huh. want to read it? Okay. Yes, please. Uh, we are, where are we here now? Um, uh, Deuteronomy 4. Uh, Moses is addressing the people of Israel. This is that, uh, the book of the Deuteronomy. He's giving a, uh, the Torah. Uh-huh. He says, uh, I'm going to start at verse 15, if it's all right, if you just, he said, but be very careful. You did not see the Lord's form on the day he spoke to you from the heart of the fire at Mount Sinai. So do not corrupt yourselves by making an idol in any form, whether of a man or a woman. Is that the one you wanted? Yeah, I'll just keep going. An animal on the ground, a bird in the sky, a small animal that scurries along the ground or a fish in the deepest sea. And when you look up into the sky and see the sun, moon, and stars, all the forces of heaven, don't be seduced into worshiping them. The Lord your God gave them to all the peoples of the earth. Remember that the Lord rescued you from the iron smelting furnace of Egypt. Do you see what the problem is? Mm -hmm, A cold cold reading seems to say, look, you guys, I gave you the idea that there's one God. I gave you the Torah, but to the other nations, I gave them the sun and the moon and the stars and the fish, and Mm -hmm. and they can even worship a man. Okay, okay. That seems to be what it's saying. So it's, it, it could be taken to say you're not to worship these things, but they can because... Yeah, and that's a really... If, if that's what it means, I stress, if in capital letters. And that's why I've looked I've looked under and found a few old sermons. And the only way it's usually explained is, well, that was back to the pagans before us, but it doesn't apply to us Christians. Mm-hmm. And I am going to suggest that that's not being understood. Because we are now actually... Part of well, that's one of Israel, that's the people of God. But but okay, uh, all right. So uh, so. Uh, but look at verse. Now, going back to Romans. Right. Now those first two chapters of Romans. Uh, let me just throw out there for for our listeners that the, one of the things that is so great about the the book of the Romans right. to the Romans is that he starts way back pre 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 Messiah. He he does start back even pre uh, Torah pre law. He goes back to before God's laws were given to Israel and so on. And he talks to to uh, pagan uh, just human beings that did not know about this special revelation and how they were still responsible because God had revealed himself to them uh, maybe not through the fire at Mount Sinai this special revelation opportunity but but he had revealed himself through nature through the things created the sun the moon the stars and so on seasons and all of that they, they had the, and it told them something about the God, his intelligence, his power, well, his goodness, and so on. that's really what I'm talking about here. So if you look at 120, it uh-huh. says his 
invisible attributes mm-hmm. are clearly seen from right. what he has made. Well, you see back in Deuteronomy, the first part of chapter 4 talks about Moses talking to Israel and saying, look, at the Mount Sinai, you didn't see anything. You just heard some things. You heard a thunder, you heard a voice, you heard a shofar, you heard God speak, but you didn't see anything. But you saw a sensitivity as to what was being manifested in front of you. Attributes. So then, but not everybody could be at Mount Sinai that day. So, and he says, now, don't worry about believing these other things that I've given, like planets and stars and birds and fish and men and women. Those I gave to the rest of the world. Now, if you put that together in Hebrew writing, Mm -hmm. first he's told us that, you know, you heard things yourselves, but you didn't see something. So I gave the rest of the world something they could see, Mm -hmm. just like you at Mount Sinai, except... You're not supposed to worship those things. Those are just physical things I gave so the rest of the world could look up to the sky and say, Wow, I see that. Something must have made that. I see that. That's very good. So, I see what you did there. Yeah. So <laughs> so what he's saying is, and at 20, when I read that, I've often, I've, I, I believe I recognize that what it means. Mm-hmm. It means, look, the things I've made, you can see if by looking around that there's something invisible just like the Jews had at Mount Sinai. So it's not exclusionary, it's inclusive. Mm-hmm. And so what he, I think what Paul is saying is, look, the rest of the world can be there. There are people in Africa, maybe on an island in Tasmania, but they can look up and see the rest of this. And so they can say, if, some, if it's there and it's made, something made it. So he gave the rest of the world the same type of companion Mount Sinai experience. I think that's what he's saying. Because then it goes on, and in chapter 2 of Romans, mm-hmm. he ta- begins talking about the impartiality of God for everybody. Right. Well, the only reason that makes sense is because he's saying, you know, not everybody's at Mount Sinai. Yeah. Does, does this make sense? Yeah, you know, it makes perfect sense. And, and, and uh, that is the... That is the brilliance of the Pauline epistles, and particularly, I would say, uh, the book of Romans, this letter, is, is that was that was that was almost the unbelievable challenge that Paul had following the life and ministry of this one named Jesus of Nazareth, who claimed to be finally that ultimate fulfillment that that of this promise of this Messiah, this Redeemer, this salvation plan of salvation that God had for man for mankind, and he had to somehow come behind the life and ministry of Jesus of Nazareth and interpret it and help it to make sense. He was that bridge builder between the the Hebrew scriptures and the Hebrew revelation that we have and this the the fulfillment. Now even Jesus himself said and following up on what you just said and what Paul explained there he did not come to destroy at all but to fulfill to complete to to Add add to I guess the the, the final well, chapter of the, the thought. Wait, complete uh, that verse. Complete uh-huh. the thought. Well, I was he did, but but in order to complete the the Torah, complete. Well, the, what's the rest of the verse? I can destroy, but to, and, yeah, yeah, I know you like that. The verse right after because it because he's it? citing exactly what this says in Romans mm-hmm. and in Deuteronomy chapter four. The rest of the verses 
And you're supposed to know this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're the I know I am. I am. You're the Christian my, here. I, I, yeah. yeah. Uh, but what he's citing, he's saying, look, because until the heaven and earth disappears, not, not one, one jot, jot or tittle will, will change. Be, mm-hmm. Well, he gave witnesses. So in other words, he's saying, if the earth and heaven is still here, then God's laws have not changed. So you're, right. so you're supposed to follow. Oh, oh yeah. It, so that's and the that's the challenge that Paul had is coming. I, I mean, this. I, I just I was talking to my son earlier today. We were talking about how amazing, what an amazing individual, this one guy Saul of Tarsus, Paul, yeah. Paul mm-hmm. Apostle Paul. Astounding uh, history, I mean, and he didn't start out being this darling of the Christian world, this uh, this apostle. He, you know, he and, and I want you to tell folks from the historical sense what we know about this young man named Saul. Brilliant, I think he was uh, a, a, a he was a student, mm-hmm. uh, a disciple, I guess you might call him of, of Gamaliel, who was, was a member of the Sanhedrin right. there in Jerusalem, uh, probably uh, a, a member of the Sanhedrin himself. Uh, but 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 I want I want I want to give you a chance to explain all that background because and he's what tribe Benjamin he is um, tribe of Benjamin oh, that's from Acts very, chapter eight very significant is it okay because the the one of the messianic prophecies must be that the tribe of Benjamin and the tribe of Judah are reunited before the Messiah Jesus was from the tribe of Judah. Benjamin, that's why he's telling people to understand that needed prophecy. I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. Oh, man, that's another. See, I never knew that. That's absolutely required. Benjamin and Judah must read. That's why I just... I just love you guys so much. Y'all give us so much insight and understanding. It just adds to everything else we might have collected somehow on our own. But, boy, that's a beautiful thing. But but that's the whole point is that how remarkable this guy was who took and translated that gospel, that that new event, the coming of the Messiah, to uh, not only the the Jewish world, but the non the Gentile world at that time. And what an amazing challenge! And and to know that something of his background, why he did that. He announces at the very first of the book something that is so very counterintuitive for our times because we have this idea slavery is terrible, and we. We don't even really want to say the word slavery in the times we live because of our history as America and the black community and the Native Americans and others that were enslaved and so on. But Paul kind of proudly right up front declares himself to be a slave of yes. Jesus Christ. And that's, uh, chapter 1, verse 1. Yeah. And when we come back, maybe we can discuss that. I'd like you to. I'd like you to fill us in on some of the rest of that story. We will come back, folks, in just a few minutes. Uh, this is the Bible Live. You can give us a call. 340-9585. Don't go away. Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family, that's Suzanne and me plus our three children, for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. We need God in order to understand Scripture. Our Daily Bread. 
Today's encouragement from the Our Daily Bread devotional was written by Kayla Ochoa. Kayla writes, The first time I went to the gorgeous Kora Church in Istanbul, I was able to figure out some Bible stories from the Byzantine frescoes and mosaics on the ceiling. But there was much I missed. The second time, however, I had a guide. He pointed to all the details I had previously missed, and suddenly everything made perfect sense. The first aisle, for instance, depicted the life of Jesus as recorded in the Gospel of Luke. Sometimes when we read the Bible, we understand the basic stories, but what about the connections, those details that weave Scripture into the one perfect story? We have Bible commentaries and study tools, yes, but we also need a guide, someone to open our eyes and help us see the wonders of God's written revelation. Our guide is the Holy Spirit who teaches us all things. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 2 that he explains spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. How wonderful to have the author of the book to show us the wonders of it. God has not only given us his written word and his revelation, but he also helps us to understand it and to learn from it. So let's pray with the psalmist in Psalm 119.18. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Sometimes we need a little extra motivation to help us spend time in God's Word each day. And now it couldn't be easier with email devotionals from Our Daily Bread. Sign up for the daily encouragement at getodbtoday.org. Today's encouragement was provided by Our Daily Bread Ministries. National and local ministry shows you know and trust every weekday on AM 630 The Word, like Through the Bible, Mornings at 6, Know the Truth at Noon, and The Word You Stand On for Life, Afternoons at 4, on AM 630 The Word and AM 630 theword.com. Find out more about your favorite programs and the ministries on AM630 The Word by going to the program guide at am630theword.com. There, you'll get connected to the ministry website, email, and phone number. Plus, find out when your favorite show airs on the program guide at am630theword.com. Father, let the world just fade away. Let me feel your presence in this place. so weary how I need to know you're near me Father let the world just fade away till I'm on my knees till my heart can see You're listening to The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar All right, we are back. This is the Bible Live program. You can listen um, here tonight. You can give us a call, 340-9585, if you'd like to discuss. We're really focusing in tonight on this individual named uh, the Saul of Tarsus, who became the great apostle Paul of the first century, this 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 world changer, uh, frankly, the, the the impact of his life and his years of travel and going to these remote cities and towns and being beaten and putting in jail and uh, all that he did. I always I, wondered about something, yeah, Soapy. Tell me. If something's a great distance away, we call it remote. Uh-huh. If it's close, do we call it moat? <laughs> <laughs> Demote, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's moted. <laughs> 
There is a deep, deep thought right there. Yeah. For right out of the, right, the, the broadcast. Right out of the moat. Yeah, out of the moat. Here we go. Well, anyway, well, let's go back to this guy named Paul. I'd like for you to give us. You have, you guys have this tendency to be able to go back and see these connections and why it ha- Saul of Tarsus. This guy who he makes it very clear he's from the tribe of Benjamin. I I never knew that it. I thought he was just proud of his Jewishness, and and I'm a, a proud you know Pharisee of the Pharisees, and uh, right. he's a Pharisee of Pharisees, uh-huh. but he's from the tribe of Benjamin. Yes, but I didn't know, I didn't realize right. it. It had to be that the tribes of Benjamin and Judah had to be reconciled, had and brought he been back together for for historic and uh-huh. theological messianic purposes. Uh-huh. Had he been from the tribe of Issachar or Asher, uh-huh. then it doesn't work. He must be from the tribe of Benjamin. Why? Because remember the story about Joseph. Uh-huh, yes, you, yes. Why don't you, uh-huh. you explain? Joseph's. Uh, let me see. Now, if I remember correctly, Joseph is down in Egypt. Uh, Judah was the one who he was the older brother. Uh, I guess no. Though that was that was, that was another uh, Reuben's Re- Re- Reuben older brother. brother. But, but Judah uh, stepped forward. Judah stepped forward whenever when uh, and said, "It's my fault. I take the responsibility because I." Um, you must let Benjamin return to his father. Yes. So I will take hold me. Ah, uh, uh, that's right. Because because uh, Joseph was saying you can go back, but you've got to leave Benjamin here with me because uh, Benjamin was his little brother from Rachel. That's right. The children of yeah, Rachel, right. and so he wanted Rachel, uh, Benjamin to stay with him. And Judah said, "We can't do that. We can't leave this. He's already lost one son. We can't leave a little uh, our little brother." And he said, "I'll stay." He volunteered, and as a result of that, then he is the one chosen. The tribe of yeah. the Messiah would come then the because. Of that yeah. through the tribe because of Judah. That trait of repentance for what was done to Joseph was exhibited by Judah, and he was willing to give himself to save Benjamin. So that's uh, always been a historic understanding that Judah and Benjamin must be reunited for the Messiah to be the Messiah. And we see a picture of that in Saul of Tarsus, this. Ben, from the tribe of Benjamin and so on, who, who is used so dramatically. Now, l- l- let's talk about and Saul. And whoever from, wrote this, uh-huh. and I always say this, and, yeah, and I always say whoever wrote this was, was not a second stringer. No. Man, no. Somebody really knew what they were doing when they yeah. wrote this. Yes, yes, yes. That, I, I, <laughs> what is it C.S. Lewis said about the Scriptures? It's not something or this 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 entire narrative this redemptive plan of god as it ties from genesis all the way to the to the maps to revelation in your bible this whoever wrote that it just he said if anybody could write it make it up just invent it they couldn't if they could they wouldn't if they would if they wanted to they couldn't but if they could they they would be so good in the sense that they wouldn't. And that's kind of what we see in your words there. This is clearly, to me, it just clearly supernatural God revealing himself in time and space and history to humanity, this, this entire narrative from beginning to end. But let's take this guy, Saul. Now, you've said some things about him that I haven't recognized. We all know that he was a, you know, a very devout, devoted uh, Jewish believer. He was uh, a tribe of ben- Pharisee of the Pharisees and that sort of thing, conservative, believing a Jew. But we don't know his political connections. I don't think as much in our in the here in the Gentile world, we, in the Christian world, we we don't really understand that. For example, uh, the whole idea of the Sanhedrin, 
the whole idea that he was a member of it, the whole idea that he, uh, he the responsibility he bore uh, spiritually in, in, uh, because of Jewish law, because of what he, that he had been so very, um, in, in, he, he was really a part of the uh, uh, condemnation of Jesus. Well, he was, if he was on the committee... Uh, uh, Are you talking about the Sanhedrin? The Sanhedrin. Uh-huh. If he was on there, then he would have had to cast a vote for the condemnation, the conviction. Because all it took is one vote of the Sanhedrin, the one, one no vote. One no vote, and the guy goes free. So it had to be unanimous. So if that's the case, then Paul would have been there because the timing is so close. He, and then he got the letters to go to Damascus. Right. Well, he was, he couldn't have been a stranger off the street to be trusted like that. So he was younger, so he probably was on the th- what they call the third yeah, ring. Yeah, tell about the, San, the Sanhedrin well, uh, there. You know, in the, the inner ring would have been uh, the 12, one older, wise person. One from, from each tribe. From each tribe. Mm-hmm. The second would have been sort of middle age, and it would be two from each tribe. The third would be three from each tribe, and Paul, probably Paul was in that ring. And that third ring is kind of the young Turks, the yeah, up and coming yeah, they the, wanna, the younger yeah uh, they want to be somebody you know and what would happen like a prosecutor when prosecutor that wants to go after trump you know okay. he wants to be somebody you know? <laughs> he wants to be in the fbi or the cia or whatever well yeah the, so when one uh, person would die from the uh, central group the uh, the 12 the well, first let's inner say circle a guy, uh, someone uh, everybody kind of moves yeah, up let's one let's say a guy from the tribe of reuben died on uh-huh. the, on the inner 12 uh-huh. well somebody stick his spot so in the center ring one of the two would step forward that leaves a spot in the second ring then one of the three from that tribe would step into the second spot, leaving a vacancy in the outer third ring. And then they'd pick a guy that was acceptable from the community to step into that outer third ring. And so we do know that, that Saul was a disciple of, a student of Gamaliel, who, who we do know was in the Sanhedrin, probably in uh, second circle, maybe? Uh, I don't uh, we know. don't know. We, I don't know. Okay. Uh, but he, Gamaliel was there. So... So, Paul, you're saying, and it makes sense. I don't get, do we have any, well, like, we, real... What we have the reason is, we think he was in the Sanhedrin is because he so easily and so quickly uh, attained these letters of... Uh, the, the letters to go to Damascus and letters of authority is one of evidence. Uh-huh. The second is verse 1, which you alluded to a bit ago. And uh, it says, chapter 1, verse 1, I, and this version says, bond servant... Of Jesus Christ, we called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Now, if you just read that, you think that the, the Holy Spirit moved him, and that was why he did this. And we know the story about him on the road to Damascus, right? Yes. And Jesus appears, appears and talks to him. Nobody else sees it, but he knocked him, knocked him off his horse, you might say. <laughs> and, uh, off his high horse. Yeah. I mean, that's why that expression came from. Who knows? To, there was an old uh, commercial where a reporter uh, got mixed up, and sometimes you know how you get tongue-tied, uh-huh. and he's talking about a high White House source. <laughs> and he got it all mixed up, and he said, a, a high White Horse sauce. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that, that's yeah. who knows where the expression uh, came anyway, from. Anyway, so what we got here, the word bond servant is uh-huh. the operative word. In Hebrew, there's no word for slave, and there's not really a word for servant. One of the demonstrative things as a slave is owned 100% by somebody. That was really not 
Jewish law. The word Eved, E-V-E-D uh-huh. in English, means uh, it's kind of like... An indentured a, servant. It's kind of like an indentured servant. That means you have to pay an obligation. And uh, as we know, if I stole $1,000 from you and I can't pay it back and I get caught, I have to work off $1,000 for you. Or, you. or if someone purchases your freedom with well, $1,000... something. You, I got, yeah, you've expended money. Or I borrowed like money from my wife's surgery. So. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, suppose so, uh, my wife needed back surgery, and I had to have some money, so I'd go get some money, and I'd pay work the back off surgery, that and I'd debt. work uh-huh. that off. Uh-huh. Well, well, now we relate that bond servant thing to the 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 one who remember he's freed by his his uh, uh, master, but he wants to stay with the family. He he wants to stay and continue to be a part in serving the family or or his master. And so uh, I think this is the idea of the yeah. tack, you know, nailing his earlobe to the door or if something you, if like that. If he's worked off his debt uh-huh. and he's free to leave, uh-huh. you cannot keep him because that makes him something that's unrecognizable in the Jewish world, uh-huh. that's a slave. Uh-huh. So you have to take him to the door. And the reason you take him to the door is because one more step and he's free. And then what you do is you, so you take the awe or like a little poke uh-huh. and you put a hole in his ear. And the reason for that is you're putting a, a sign saying, look, this is to the ear that will not listen to freedom. I'll be. So that's supposed to be about. Okay, well, so, that's kind of where we uh, take well, from okay, that but sentence. Most people, uh-huh. most people said, "Yeah, I've worked off my debt. I want to go free." Uh-huh, and right. of course, while he's working off his debt, your obligation to support him and his family and teach him the Bible. So Paul, in a sense, voluntarily has placed himself. Well, except, under, except okay, except yeah. This, you, th- I was just telling our limited understanding of it, but I uh, think except this one, we need this. There is one item that you cannot make recompense for. And that's called. Yes, ooh, yes. I know. I know. I see a person in the back <laughs> raising their yeah, hand. Yeah. Who is that? Murder, because you that's couldn't. Uh, I mean, you couldn't right. uh, you can't pay give back the life back. You right. can't pay it back. Right. So if you cannot pay it back, you become, you might say, a bond servant or a indentured servant, if you like. But you have to pay back the best you can. In fact, we have that kind of example in David, uh-huh. because. Uh, Remember, he had... He, Uriah the Hittite, his, Bathsheba's husband. Yes. And one of his commanders, one right, of his right 30 on. mighty men. Sure. He had him killed in battle, or he, he kind of right. maneuvered. Oh, he, 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 look, he had him killed. Okay, he had him killed in battle. And, and so later on, then, when it comes time for him to announce his successor, right. he has to go with Solomon. In fact, that's why it says that Solomon says... Bathsheba crowned me king, not David. So it was Bathsheba. Why? Because David had, had done that, and he had to give the most important thing he had, and that's why he promised Bathsheba, I have no choice. The law of God is I have to do the best recompense I can. And then we have an earlier example of David when he tried to get to uh, uh, Jonathan, yes. who was a descendant of Saul. Saul. And because Saul had been kind to him, so he had to fulfill that obligation. So there's always a sense of recompense and obligation. So what you got here is, but the one item that you can't is if you cause the death of an innocent person. Right. Uh-huh. And just like King uh, David had to give the kingdom to Solomon, what happens is 
uh, in this sense, you have... Uh, Saul owed Jesus his life. Yes, so he has to kind of fulfill that obligation. And how we know what really happens is, I don't think, as I read this, he didn't get the message that Jesus was truly who he said he was and innocent until he's on the road to Damascus. So the story tells us... And the moment he got that message... It, it began to dawn on him they had this this obligation. Yeah, it, and, that, well, Paul was an expert in Jewish law. We know that he's an expert in it, and so he says, "Holy mackerel, I have to fill this." <laughs> Did and, he really say "holy mackerel"? Well, How do you say that in Hebrew? I'd like I don't to know. Have any idea. <laughs> uh, but uh, but anyway, so he, he had to fulfill it. And of course, we also know that Paul was also guilty of the death of. Stephen. Yeah. That's how we know that is. Because at the end of that, it's chapter 8 or chapter Uh 7, something like that. Chapter Uh 7. Okay. And he says they laid the cloaks at the feet of Paul. Chapter 7 in the book of Acts, Acts. not Uh not Romans. Uh Acts, yeah. Yeah, they laid their cloaks at the feet of Paul. What does that mean? That he just needed some clothes that day? (laughs) Or it was cold? I don't know. But no, what it means is that was he was the witness. The supervising uh, authority, I guess. He was more than supervising he was the witness if he had not testified against Stephen Stephen would have died so he was responsible for Stephen, Stephen? and being on the Sanhedrin Jesus uh, yeah he, because just one vote of the Sanhedrin right. would have saved Jesus life, but he law. didn't yeah. do it yeah so what happens is, is this now is he realizes he did participate and let's suppose you were a man of conscience and you knew what God said about false witness you have to suffer the penalty of the innocent person. Oh, my So lads. he has no hmm. obligation. And, of course, as the story tells us, and just reading in the story itself, it says that Paul, uh, Jesus appeared to Paul. And so he knows he's got a problem on his hands, and he's an expert in Jewish law. So he starts off by to the Romans saying, I am a ved to Jesus. Mm-hmm. I have to pay my debt, you know, and I took his life. I have to give a life back as best I can, and I will complete mm-hmm. his service. Well, he did it. Uh, I, I tell you, well, it kind of before we jump to what he did, actually, and going on from chapters one and two, uh, the way he translated the the Hebrew narrative and the, the redemptive narrative from from the Torah and the Hebrew and from the Jewish nation and principally helped it to bridge it to the Gentile world in a way it had not ever been done before, I suppose. That was historic. Uh, Before we make that jump, I'm thinking, too, of what Jesus told Barnabas. Remember, after after Paul's conversion on the road to Damascus, uh, he's blinded. Oh, good point. I know where you're going. Go ahead. And he's taken in. Uh, God uh, speaks to Barnabas from uh-huh. the church there in Tarsus. <laughs> We're on the same wavelength. How about us? Uh, he speaks to him and says, go get this guy. And Barnabas has heard about him. Are you kidding me, Lord? He said, I don't, I don't, this guy, he's put people in jail. He's had people killed. You want me to go out? And, and, and God says to him, yeah, go. I want you to, because I, I've called him and he, he must suffer great things for my name's sake. And I, that's always And, and if you a, take the meaning of that, uh-huh. for my name's sake, not because he's just a believer, but he was participated in the death for my name. You see how the story really has oh, it, it gains weight if you understand. It sure does. And he's what Paul 
endured. Well, I like that. Over that's those a coming. perfect example. He's saying he's got to do it for my namesake. Yeah. So he's saying because I I took his name. I am. Uh, so I've chosen him, and I he got to be him. Now. So Barnabas went out, and Barnabas took him in in that church uh, 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 that was called. Um, um, uh, what was that church called? The uh, Holy Mackerel of Soapy. <laughs> I'll think of it in a minute. But that that congregation became a, f- a powerful, supportive congregation to to Paul uh, in his missionary. They were the first ones that sure. sent him and Barnabas, Barnabas out on a missionary right, sure. uh, on a on a project and so on. Uh, his first mission uh, journey. Uh, well, it's it just it's just so powerful to see. see. It, uh, let me ask you: Does that knowing that that was the rule about the murder? And filling his life, and then with the verse you quoted, does that kind of fill in some of the picture? For oh you? my lens! I've always wanted to know. Yeah, you know, I mean, I've always admired the devotion of, right. of of Paul. I mean, he what he endured the beatings and the miles and the travel and the teaching and the doubting and the and the conflicts and the and from both right and left. You know, from he he was taking it from. Uh, some people in the, in the Jewish communities, they were really, this was all too new for them. We can't take. It, he would. He was getting on, and he endured that for so long. And then he ultimately was killed under the reign of uh, one of the Caesars that, that uh, beheaded him. Is that right, or something like that? He um, just. Well, so he was martyred. I mean, he was. We, we know killed. he was killed. Yeah. And I've been to Rome, and uh, they have a spot where they'll point out to you that he was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's interesting I've because he well. certainly stuck to his guns. He did. He saw it through, and that it wasn't just a week or two, or I'm going to go out and pay my debt here. He, there were, there were you know long years of travel and teaching, and pre- what, what an amazing for one who's been on the. I, I've been on the mission field now for a little bit, uh, close to fifty years, uh, and the incredible adventure that is uh that is to be a sent one to go to another culture another language another people and and take a message and try to relate it, it, i the most exciting most thrilling uh, thing I, I i in my own life i can i as i think back on life and ministry i i see the faces of people in ukraine and and Mong- mongolia and down in kazakhstan and it, it just you see the faces of these people that you've met and known and to, just think what paul must have been able to think back well, and, and I, I really i really wow. will say and this is probably going to surprise a lot of folks but let's face it not everybody is interested in being a jew Nobody's interested in being Jewish. <laughs> but, of course, their Savior, Messiah, is a Christian, so I is a Jew, Jesus. But what is interesting, I am convinced that uh, it's uh, Christianity may be the only way to save America and may be the only way to save the world because the other competitive religions that actually kill people and conquer people and do bad things well, don't offer a God that forgives, and Christianity does. And, and yeah. because let's face it, ex, you know, excluding the New Testament, the Jews and the Christians share the same Bible. Exactly, and the same, essentially the same message: uh, a redeeming, loving, wow. forgiving God. You said yourself that that was the difference between the God of yeah. uh, Mount Sinai yeah. and the gods of Egypt. Sure. This God gave them a second chance. That's they right. broke and, the first tablets. And the they first law from Egypt, where that God, those gods did not give a second chance. Yeah, right. Now, in that in that method, why don't we take a look at something I love to touch upon? It's in Romans, and it's in chapter eleven. Okay. Now, 
it's a shame we have to cover all the Book of Romans in one night. Uh, but, you know, that's it. It's just a short book, just for, uh, 16 chapters. You read through it in, uh, very quickly. But it's so powerful. So Look over mm. at the... Now, what, what chapter did you say, uh, 11? Go to chapter 11. Okay. Now, the, when, I always do this sometimes. When people... You always I, do it sometimes? I always do it sometimes. <laughs> sometimes I don't always do it. <laughs> all right, all right. But... By the well, way, I want to tell you something funny. You know how I like to sign off and say, I "Always be uh, the kind of person, the kind of person you would like to have for a parent." Uh-huh. Well, I, told, I was talking to my daughter today in Arizona, uh-huh. and she said, "Oh, I have one I like to use, just about like that." And I said, "What is it?" And she said, "Always be the kind of person your dog thinks you are." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she is. The the apple does not fall far from the tree. She's a chip off the old block, okay, no doubt about it. Before we go, let me play a little game with you, okay? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, when somebody always tries to bring Christianity, first of all, you have to recognize that generally they're good people, they're caring, they're loving people. They really want to give you what they have found. Mm-hmm. So you got to bear that in mind. They don't mean evil. Generally, they mean good, right? In general, right? They're one sure. beggar telling uh-huh. another beggar who found a little bit of bread. Yeah. Okay, so we, we always agree say. with that. Mm-hmm. Now, what I always say, though, is... And now you're going to have to be flexible to understand what I'm about to say. Okay, Soapy? All right. Okay. I'm flexible. All right. Look at me. Yeah, it's going to be, I remember a guy called Tom Robert Jones. He was also flexible. Um, you know, the singer. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, anyway, so, um, th- so here's the deal. I say to them, well, who is it that you're trying to keep out of heaven? Okay. And what would be your response? I don't think I've ever done that with you. Right. But, but if you said to me, well, I want to teach, teach you about Jesus and becoming a Christian, and I, let's say I said back to you, well, who is it that you're trying to keep out of heaven? What would be your response? I guess I would say, well, nobody. I want to, I want to be able to get people into heaven. Aha. Uh-huh. And what if I said, well, what, who, is it the Afghanistanis, uh, the Koreans, sure. people in Tasmania, Japan? Are you trying to keep them out? Maybe people no, in Africa. No. Maybe you want to keep them out. No. Who is it that you're trying to keep out? No one. I mean, they would never. Uh-huh. I would never want to intentionally keep. Well, you know, in my worst moments, uh-huh. maybe I would. Okay. Think. But let's but, say I said that to you, uh-huh. and I have had this conversation with people. In fact, I had a rather, quite frankly, about a week ago, a rather unpleasant conversation with a young man that had just came out of the Baptist seminary less Uh than a year ago, and he was telling me all about stuff, and I asked him the question. I said, well, who is it that you are trying to keep out of heaven? And I went through what I just said, like Japanese, uh, the Koreans, maybe the Africans. Who are you trying That's to keep a very up? important point you're making. I'm beginning to see it, and I, I think it, uh-huh. it's very, very important that, that what you're saying uh-huh. for believers. Said, I think for he believers. Did, he looked at me and he said, "Well, nobody. Yeah, I want everybody going." And I said, "Then why are you disobeying God?" And he said, "What are you talking about?" Uh-huh. And I said, "Well, let's take a look at what this says." Okay. Look what it says. Now remember that Jesus Himself said in chapter 25, if I remember correctly. Are you fixing to rock our world a little no, bit? No, no, just share the Word of God. Okay, there you go. Uh, but it is the rock. Chapter world. 11. By the <laughs> way, did you know the Rock of Ages song that the Christians have is actually originally a Jewish song? No, I did not yeah. know it, but well, I knew they, it was They added a, a verse about Jesus, but... Anyway, well, sure, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so, so Jesus said something about, until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled, uh, the Israel be trampled on by... The Gentiles, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. okay. Now, Let me, I'm thing, looking at same it. Same thing see. is repeated over here in Romans 11. 
Yes, okay. It, at, it started in verse 13? Uh, no, 25. Oh, that later. Okay, yeah. There's this big discussion here about the place. How does this new revelation, uh, Jesus, Messiah, Savior, Christian, you know, Christ-centered yeah, faith but, and so on, how does that relate now to the people Jesus of Israel? Said, yeah. Until the time the Gentiles is fulfilled. And then here in Romans, Paul says it. Look at verse 11.25. I want you to understand this mystery, dear brothers and sisters, so that you will not feel proud about yourselves. Now he's talking to these these Romans now, uh, Gentiles in principle, right? Some of the people of Israel have hard hearts, but this will last only until the full number of Gentiles comes to Christ. Uh Uh-oh. I know, right and so all Israel will be saved. Yeah, don't worry about the next verse. Let's just okay. stick to that one. It says, until, exactly what Jesus said, and I think it was Matthew 25, okay. uh-huh. until the full number of Gentiles come in. Well, let's suppose you're successful and you convince all the Jews to come in tomorrow morning. And let's suppose that all the people maybe in <laughs> Yugoslavia didn't make it. Guess what? The time yeah. of the Gentiles is over. The door is closed. The they door is don't closed. get in. Oh, my goodness. So we'll finish my thought. Aren't you a clever, clever guy? Well, let's finish this thought when we come back. Sure, exactly. So in a way, in explaining why the uh, Jewish nation in in general, in broad strokes. Actually, I'm going to explain why the Jews are commanded by God to not believe at this time. Oh, my goodness. Can't wait to hear that. Folks, stay with us. 340 is our phone number. I hope that you are enjoying this great discussion of the um, the gospel of Jesus Christ as it expands out of Jerusalem across the Roman world and this, the place of this individual named Paul. We'll be right back. Don't go away. This is the Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. All right, we are back. Our final segment for this evening in the powerful, wonderful, amazing book of Romans in the New Testament, written by this remarkable individual uh, from the tribe of Benjamin. We've discussed how that how important that was that Judah and Benjamin be reconciled. I remember that Messiah must come from the tribe of Judah. That we we've traced that back to the Hebrew Scriptures, uh, and know the reason for that, as Judah was the one who offered his life uh, instead of Benjamin back when uh, before the Pharaoh of Egypt, well before Joseph, <laughs> uh, the second in command of all of Egypt, and so that as a result of that, then uh, it was understood that Messiah, the Savior, the Redeemer, this hero, uh, must come from the tribe of Judah, but that the tribes of Judah and Benjamin Benjamin must be reconciled uh, is the truth. I, the I'm not sure sages, I had ever yeah, really. The ancient understood. sages always taught they must be reconciled. They must be back together. And, and this, this Saul of Tarsus, who is of the tribe of Benjamin, helps make a, that a reality. We see that uh, fleshed out in his life. So at any rate, okay. let me carry on this thought. Now, I understand that. 
people may disagree with me, and that's okay. And secondly, maybe I'm wrong. It's a puzzle to us. It, it really is. It, it, and frankly, it's not only a puzzle to us, and I hope people know what we're talking about. We'll, we'll, we'll explain what we're talking about in just a second. But it's a puzzle to us because... If I can remember. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll try not to be too long. But it, it, in other words, it, it's an explanation... It explains to some degree the reality that we we have seen in the Hebrew script. I mean, in the New Testament, it explains this 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 seeming rejection. Uh, now, clearly, obviously, a great there were thousands in that time in the first century, and millions throughout history of Jewish men and women who have been followers of Yeshua, and, and it doesn't make them not Jewish. They, uh, as you have said many times, it. it it, it, the fact that you believe someone, some certain person might be the Messiah, it doesn't make you not Jewish. There's no prohibition on me thinking anybody might be the Messiah. Now, I could be wrong. I also may, might think there's spaceships in my backyard playing the radios too loud. <laughs> That's right. But I could be wrong about yeah, that. But that doesn't eliminate no, you. You're... No. The difference is, is from the Jewish concept, um, the Messiah is not divine he's not god uh-huh. he's a righteous person a righteous branch uh but he's uh, as as actually jesus talks about but he's born in the normal manner right now, exactly so, now and here's what i'm saying is that i could be wrong but no we we have the same that's the whole point is oh. that the the funny thing is that oh you're right no i'm right no no you're both right well, I, uh, <laughs> and i know it's it's two mints in one. Yeah. Or it's uh, peanut butter and chocolate. <laughs> but, yes, that's but, it. But my my point is, and I'm willing to concede that, you know, that maybe I'm wrong. On the other hand, maybe I'm right. I do know that Jesus in Matthew says something about until the fullness of the Gentiles. Uh-huh. I know here it says yes. fullness of Gentiles. Paul clarifies. So if I were to suggest that by the commandment of God that all Jews are not supposed to come in until you, the Christians, have accomplished their deeds of bringing in all the, the fullness Gentile of world. the Gentiles. Uh-huh. Now, this is always interesting. In every Christian church, I've often heard that, uh, and it's done somewhat mockingly, if I may be honest, that oh, the Jews are expecting a warrior hero like David, and they thought he's going to come back and just conquer everybody. Be a king, conquering yeah. king, and so on. And but he came back as a suffering yeah, servant. Yeah, but they and, didn't yeah, know the... that he's coming as a nice servant that's going to die for his sins. They didn't understand that. Well, let me point out. Would that, that be true or not? Yeah. Partially? Of well, of course. Okay. Of course but. Let me point out, in the Christian scriptures, you have the book of Revelation. In the book of Revelation, you've got Jesus coming back on a white horse, and he's coming back as what? Exactly a, what the Jews a expected. A sword in his hand and a as conquering, a conquering delivering hero, hero. Yeah. Mm-hmm. like David. Now, that's always been, in fact, it says in the book of Revelation, a new heaven and earth will appear. Believe it or not, that's actually a Jewish concept that the new heaven and earth will appear. Well, I believe it. Why yeah, wouldn't I believe that? Is, the, the, the point is, John was a Jew. <laughs> yeah, but the point is this, is that 
the Christians expect the second coming to be exactly what the Jews expected for the first coming. So perhaps what's second for the Christians is first for the I've Jews. heard that. I've heard. I've talked to some Jewish men and women I, I've known through the decades. And, and quite often they say, uh, what was it the saying? What's the first thing I'm going to ask Jesus when he, uh, when oh, he, have when been, he does yeah, have return? Have you been here before? Have you yeah. been here before? <laughs> well, I, I get it. I really do. And it, it does explain this this amazing even dating from that first century to the, to the date it doesn't mean that no jewish men and women have ever followed jesus no, because not. clearly but the verse actually says that the partial hardening yeah. is referring to some but not all yeah and i like the way it's i want you to understand this mystery this this is indeed mysterious it is often for us as for us as Gentile believers, those of us who we come to admire Jesus and believe, uh, you know that He indeed was both God and man, the perfect in the sense He, yeah, He was, whatever. It always has been kind of. We always go, how how don't they see? They surely. Uh, I, I've thought that for decades. Oh, how? Well, let's say that. Let's. But many don't. I mean, argument, many many do see, of course. For, yeah, for argument's sake, let's say Jesus is the Messiah. For argument's sake, okay. Mm-hmm. So that you will not feel. I'm pa- saying for all the Jews listening, okay. if there are any, let's say for argument's sake. It's a mystery, and then he says uh, uh, to you Gentiles, so that you oh. don't feel proud. Some of the people of Israel doesn't uh, say all well, every Jew. I agreed. agreed. Uh, have hard hearts, and they, and hard hearts, I think, is the idea. Idea of that they they just can't go there with this no. Yeshua. They, no. they 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 have these reasons that well no he was supposed to be this or that or whatever, no. uh, and so it says. But somehow the point is made that that's to some degree that's intentional. That's part of the plan See, of God. That's what I've been trying to portray, and that's a mystery. That really and is, it, and because what good I, does that serve? Huh? Well, because it gives the leaves the door open for the rest of you to get in. The minute the Jews, let's say, oh, wait, 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 let me uh, finish my thought. Okay, sure. So here is the idea. If Jesus is Messiah, for argument's sake, we'll say he is. When he comes in Revelation, exactly what Christians call the second coming, that's what the Jews have always understood will be the coming. Now, if he's the Messiah, and if he comes like that, then the Jews will believe. Now, if uh, he doesn't, no, that's another problem. But... If he does, then he completes what the requirement is that the Jews understand. And it's always been fascinating to me that what the, they say the second coming is is exactly what the and first coming is. And that will be is. the time of the wrapping. The, that would be the curtain falls on history. That would be the, the what you're understanding is when the Jews do well, embrace, well, then if, that if would be the... Back, if he comes back and he's that guy, I'd say, well, Jews say, oh, that's what we've been waiting for. That's the guy. Or it could be that there is this time of gathering, and the and Jewish people for some other reason embrace Messiah, embrace Yeshua. Right. Then that could spark his coming. Right. Well, in the reverse order, it could reverse. It. Not the coming right. sparks I, their I conversion. Maybe, but their conversion. Maybe on Monday, everybody says. Okay, you got all the Christians in you're going to get. On Tuesday, you say, oh, you know, we're going to rethink this. On Wednesday, he comes. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Well, that, that so does. It could be like that. At some level, it, 
I know. It makes sense of this remarkable. Well, that's what I said to this young man I was talking to me. I said, look, uh, it appears if you haven't got all the, and I said, I'm only going by the Christian scriptures, the Christian scriptures, because this is my point. And I said a moment ago when you were catching on to what I was trying to say, if indeed the Jews all come in, the time is over. The door closes. So the Jews, you might say, are the doorstop to allow all what the Christians thought. to come in. Because yeah, the minute they come on board, time of Gentiles powerful is over. Thought. Well, I'm double-minded about that. I, I, know think, you are. I think the harvest, uh, and, and, and I think, I don't know, maybe the heart of God is this way of the same. I mean, the harvest is central. I mean, yeah. God doesn't, you know, we're told, and in, in, in God does not will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so there is a sense of that. I mean, that's why I do what I do. That's what I have called, responded to God's call to take that message everywhere I can. But on, on the other hand, there's a sense of, oh, come, Lord Jesus, come. You know, we, I'd, I'd love to see, I'd love to be here well, when he comes again. And, and, and everybody and, agrees, Jew yeah. or Christian, that nobody knows the day or no, the hour yeah. or the time. Everybody agrees on that. But look at the, the I, I want to read the rest of this passage and get you to respond to it as well, because wow. that chapter 11 is amazing. I, I hadn't, I, I, about this this relationship between uh, Jewish people as a whole, the broad spectrum. Uh, it, it says, some of the people of Israel have hard hearts, but this will last only until the full number of Gentiles comes to Christ. And so uh, ultimately all Israel will be saved, but, you know, because we as Gen- we're into Israel now. We're part of it. As the scriptures say, the one, and then, then he cited, this is a scripture basis upon which Paul is saying this, uh-huh. and it comes from what? Psalm, uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Hebrew. Uh, the one who rescues will come from Jerusalem, and he will turn Israel away from ungodliness. And this is my covenant with them, that I will take away their sins. Now, I mean, that's Paul's quoting of some passages right. justifying that. See what, it says? what he just said. I will take away their sins. Now, so we know that Israel's getting all, according even to the Christian yeah, uh-huh. scriptures, Israel's getting their sins, according to even the Christian course, scriptures, yeah. that they're taken away. Yeah, 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 because, I mean, that shouldn't be hard actually, for believers actually, to understand. Verse 27, then the version I'm looking at says, this is my covenant with them uh-huh. when I take away their sins. Now, many, but look at verse, he again repeats this idea of many of the people of Israel are now enemies of the good news they're resistant they they don't they're not yes. embracing Yeshua yeah. no. and this benefits you Gentiles yes because it keeps yes. the door what open verse are you looking at uh 28. 28 yet they are still the people he loves because he chose their ancestors Abraham Isaac and Jacob ah which brings a interesting concept you see Judaism has the exact, what you just read, has the exact opposite idea of Christianity on one particular point. Uh-huh. In Christian thought, sin is passed down. Right? Uh, oh, okay, I'll go, I'll go with Adam. that. The sin nature, the idea of original uh, sin, every okay. human being uh, is born with a, an in, impulse in to sin, selfishness. He says yeah. he loved their fathers. Uh-huh. In Judaism, sin is not passed down. Only merit is passed down. So the Jews themselves, even today, the Jews would not be deserving of the love, the, the embracing of God. Except for God made a promise to their fathers. 
So the Jews all understand, okay, we're, not, you know, we're sinners, okay? But that's what you're reading. And when I read that, I understand that because Jewish understanding is that it's not because of me. It's because God promised the ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. <laughs> it's a little hard for us. You know, I understand. Yeah, but we, I, understand. I, I, for God's gifts are and His call can never be withdrawn. Once you Gentiles were rebels against God, right. but when the people of Israel rebelled against Him, God was merciful to you instead. Now that they, now they are the rebels, and God's mercy has come to you, so that they too will share in God's mercy. Mm-hmm. Uh <laughs> I'm sorry. So our destinies are are tied together in some way. Well, you, I can see now how Tevye and the fiddler on the roof said, "God, I know we're your chosen people, but do you always have to choose us?" <laughs> I can see now where he, yeah, why he once said that. In a while, could you choose somebody? Yeah, else? yeah, please. <laughs> yes. Well, I, I, I get it. What, well, what I'm not powerful... saying people have to agree with what I'm reading, but from my, through my eyes, when I read this, I get the idea. For God has imprisoned everyone in disobedience so he could have mercy on everyone. And then look at what he ends that that little discussion with. Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. You sound like a Baptist preacher. Wow. (laughs) Oh, it could be. I go back to my roots here. That's... uh, In other words, Paul himself is mystified and amazed by the very truth that he's uncovering here. It's just how remarkable God's plan is. Well, that's that's the book I know of that's Romans. A, that's probably a little different take than what you're probably typically used to. I, it, oh, and, it is. And I got to tell you, you should, I'm not surprised though. You should have. <laughs> you should have seen the young Baptist preachers when I was telling him that earlier, and he just stood there. And when I said, "Well, who is it that you're trying to keep out of heaven?" He said, "Nobody." And I said, "Well, why are you disobeying God?" <laughs> and, and but the one that really stumped him, I said. Why was and I'm not saying I'm right. I'm uh-huh. just oh, okay. I'm just more experienced yeah. with asking the question. Uh-huh. Uh, and he's a young guy, enthusiastic, you know, and he's going to conquer the world. In fact, what brought this up was he was telling me he and his wife want to go to Israel and become missionaries to Israel. Uh-huh. And I said, okay. I said, that's fine. Now you've got that right. Uh, what is it that Jews think on how a person gets to an afterlife or heaven or paradise, whatever you want to call it? Gandhi down the Garden of Eden. Uh-huh. Uh, how did Jews think they get there? And he said, "Well, they think they kill a sheep." And I said, <laughs> "And I said, I said, can I ask you who told you that?" And he said, well, "That's what we we're taught in seminary." He says, "Because right there it says they kill a sheep for sin." I said, "Okay, would you show me the line that says if they kill a sheep, they get to heaven?" I I'm overlooked that line all my life. Where is that verse at? And he said, well, it's not there. And I said, well, why was Jesus walking around preaching for three years? I said, had he convinced everybody to open the change of mind, see what he was saying, see the light? I said, would he have had to die as a lamb or would everybody have just seen the light and said, okay? I thought we were the ones that believed we get to heaven because of the well, death that, of a, she- well, of a yes, sheep. Well, that's you have. The lamb of God. Yeah, that's the lamb he of God. He takes away yeah. the sin of the world. Yeah, yeah. You guys got a lot of nerve. Okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> you guys. Here we are with this you guys stuff uh, again. Right? Anyway, so when I said I said, well, does that mean if everybody believed him, he wouldn't have had to die? And the, the poor young man, he's a nice kid. Uh-huh. But he sat there and he just looked at me for like 45 seconds. <laughs> I mean, I could tell that thought had never been generated. You could smell his hair burning, huh? He was, he was thinking. And, it. and I'm not saying any of this is uh, right. Sure, sure, I'm just I saying it's an interesting thing. And I said, because I don't know, but I know he's walking around preaching. Yeah, yeah. Well, there is that is part of this mystery that Paul talks about. The 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 Gentile world uh, the, the, it's we have taken off, we've embraced this Jesus of Nazareth. We is the greatest news even back in that era in Paul's time. I mean the uh, this was the preaching, this was the message that to, to a great degree resulted in uh, the downfall of the Roman it brought the Roman empire down and split it, 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 this message was very disruptive to the to the idolatry well, there was a, do you remember of, of Rome, a book called but, Catch Twenty Two from years ago? Yes, yeah, sure. There's a great character in there. He's an old Italian guy, and uh, he's in the talk. He's talking to the Americans, and and he says, and the Americans said, "We conquered your country," and he said, "Yeah." He said, "Yeah, you did." He said, "But I want to tell you something. We've been conquered by everybody." <laughs> he said, "So." We were here before you. We'll be here after. Yeah. And actually, that's kind of what's happened. Rome has kind of come and gone. Germany kind of come and gone. But the Jews are here. And I don't lay it to the fact that they're Jews. I lay it to God. Uh-huh. Sure. So, but, but it, it, it seems very much that's what Paul is talking about here. He's taking this little... Uh, that's why it's so remarkable, the book of Romans, because he not only explains the message of the gospel in the context of... of the Gentile world and world history and so on. But he also then reverts back here in these chapters 9 through 11 and talks about what are the implications of this. Now let's go back to this special revelation, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the prom- and, and he relates it back to that old truth. And what I, I mean, it's just a, a most powerful thing for us to see and understand. I, and I do believe that a lot of us as Gentile believers, we we... We've lost sight of that aspect. Not all, not all by any stretch. I'm just saying in the same way that, you know, many believers, many Christian believers have lost sight of our roots, that we are, in fact, well, Israel. You said that we are during the break that I think you should repeat on air. Oh, really? <laughs> yes, you did. You said to me during the break, you said, this doesn't mean that we shouldn't share our view or share the gospel with mm-hmm. everybody, including Jews. And I said, that's true. Remember you saying that? I remember saying that. Yes. It was that the part that I should have yes, repeated? that's what you should say on the air again. <laughs> Repeat again. Okay, well, yeah, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't share the gospel, I don't think. Clearly not with Jewish people. Millions of Jewish people believe that Jesus was the Messiah and have embraced the, So it, it isn't a it isn't a all or nothing sort of thing, but it's saying that as a whole at the core, there's not this wholesale coming in and, and we should i think in love if we do love people and we care we share the good news and uh but we do have to be careful about judging people i think in the sense of trying we can't be that the ju- the sees down to well you're going to heaven you're going to hell you know that's Ours is a more positive message. Here's how you can have an uncertainty. Here's how you can have a confident, secure relationship with God. And, and, you know, uh, I I don't 
There, there may be well, you know, tons of people tell. go to heaven that I, mean, I, won't, and that I, I don't can, know and about. And I can tell most people can't tell if somebody's kind and encouraging and they love people and they're truly trying to give what they think they have and really feel in their hearts. I can tell that. And that sincerity is always should be respected and, and responded to. And I can always tell if somebody's being using it for a club. I can <laughs> right. tell. Now, let me ask you this. Even in, 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 in of course, the, the Jewish... Uh, you guys are not strangers to this idea of evangelism and sharing them in because you were that was part of the covenant relationship is that you were to uh, not only were you to obey God and follow God and worship God alone and so on, but you were supposed to take this message and tell other nations. And, and in fact, uh, throughout history, there were times when the Jews were doing evangelism. Yes, yes. Except with Constantine and some of the other people, it became a death penalty. So the Jews learned it's better to just be quiet, keep your heads low. And before we leave, there is a verse I want to share. Sure. We talked about it before the show. It's 15, verse 4. Okay. Toward the last of the book, Paul is saying goodbye. He lists a whole group of people. It's funny how he had never been there, but he has a long list of people he says greetings to in the last chapters here. Okay. what Chapter 15, verse what? 4. Okay. Um. Uh, such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us and the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. Uh, And of course that's the context of the, for even Christ didn't live to please himself. As the scriptures say, the insults of those who insult you, O God have fallen on me. Such things were written in the scriptures long ago. And the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I just wanted to get that verse before it as well. Yeah. Well, so what he's really saying, 15, four. Now at the time that Romans was written, Mm -hmm. the gospels had not been written. Okay. So when he's referring to it, says in this version, for whatever was written earlier in times for our instruction, so that through perseverance and encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So he's got to be referring. And that's to the Torah. He, that's to the Hebrew to the scriptures. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and so what I always encourage, in fact, I'll be quite frank with you. That's the basically one of the themes that I put in the introduction to my book. That's a theme. What was written to understand the Gospels? You must understand the Torah. That's true. No doubt about it. They are of one piece. They are continued. Um, uh, yeah, we we they, they, that's why that's why sometimes I get not upset, but I I kind of uh, shake my finger at you because you say well you your scriptures and our scriptures and over in the Christian scriptures and we respect and admire and receive from the Hebrew scriptures the Old Testament as much as from the New. They both are inspired the Word of God. Um, well, we're about out of time, but we've got uh-huh. just a couple of minutes here. Anything else about well, no, uh, I, the I pretty book much of jumped all over there, so I think you should have like two minutes this time. Romans, <laughs> it, it, it is amazing. Paul shares his travel plans here in the last chapters. And like I said, then he's give this greeting to all of these people. Uh, Priscilla and Aquila, remember we met them in Corinth. Uh, my dear uh, friend Epinetus and his long list of people. He's never been there, but how does he know these people? Uh, these there must have been this communication, this correspondence, this something between the people who were uh, receptive to the message of uh, of Messiah and uh, in those times. And yet, 
his final instructions, he, he uh, oh, he even greets Timothy, my fellow worker, sends you his greeting. Oh, sends you his greetings. Now I make one more appeal, my dear brothers and sisters. Watch out for people who cause divisions, upsetting people's faith. Speaking what of a great book, the Gospel uh, of the Book say, of Romans. Uh, I would always encourage everybody to be the kind of person that you would like to have for a parent. All right, folks. Have a great week. We'll see you next week here on the Bible Live broadcast. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on the Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on the The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.